you can write this ship. You know, it's not too late for your marriage. And the key to an amazing marriage, not a perfect marriage, is that you are deciding that you are going to walk through the fires together. And when you do, when you are working on yourself, when you're working on love, you are enduring, you are believing, and you're bearing, you are going to walk through all the adversity and you're going to be stronger. Your marriage is going to be deeper and happier and you're going to be more connected to Christ than you ever have before. Hello and welcome to the Trent Stewart Leadership Podcast. I'm here to help everyday leaders make every day count. If you're a new listener, I want to say thanks for joining us. If you find this to be helpful, please take a moment to subscribe and give a good rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. That helps our team get the content out to people that really need it. So I appreciate your help with that. I want to encourage you to visit TrentStewart.org to find more resources to equip you on your leadership journey. When you subscribe online, I'm going to send you the TSL5. That's a free resource that you're going to get every other week. It's an email that includes five different resources that will help you live for Jesus, discover your purpose, and invest in people. I'm excited about a brand new resource that's coming out January 10th. It's a video course called How to Pray. It's a seven-session course that's going to take your prayer life to the next level. It's an important topic because I believe prayer is essential in our connection with God. It's how we connect to God, hear from God. I believe God answers our prayers. So if you've already subscribed on the website, you're going to get free access to this already. But if you haven't subscribed, go to TrentStewart.org and uh, we'll get you connected. As always, the show notes for today's episode are on the website. We're talking about getting the fire back in our marriage. And uh, today I'm joined again with my lovely wife, Micah. Hello, Micah. Glad you're here with us again. Hi, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me back. And I'm excited to continue our discussion on marriage because leadership really does start at home. If you want to lead at work or in ministry and your marriage is struggling, it's going to affect how you show up at work. So if you want your marriage to be on fire, you have to be willing to walk through the fires together. So I thought we'd start with reading 1 Corinthians, um, that passage that's read at every wedding. Um, So let's read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 7 and 8. It's kind of a condensed verse 7 and 8. Yeah. So yes, the condensed version, it says that love bears all things. It believes all things, hopes all things, love endures all things, and that love never ends. Heavy, (laughs) heavy. Good Uh, stuff. A couple of things. Love bears all things here. So if we're going to grow in our marriage, these are, these are the ways that you know, we can build this fire back. Okay. So bear all things. That doesn't mean that you accommodate unjust treatment in a marriage. Obviously, you don't bear physical abuse or oppressive treatment. You get help in those situations. But what he means here is that love does not give up easily. Love endures, which means it doesn't give up on people when they make mistakes. It it means we walk through the fire together. We see these issues as an opportunity for growth, like we talked about last time. We change our perspective And when we do, that leads to a greater marriage. Um, And so we want to understand this means that we're trusting Jesus, we're following Jesus, we're we're bearing all things. And if we're going to bear all things, we're going to have to learn to forgive each other. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. 
If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So in marriage, obviously, we're going to have some grievances against each other. So to bear with each other, he says we're going to have to forgive each other. So, honey, what part does forgiveness play in marriage? Forgiveness, I would say, is essential. So if you aren't willing to own your own mistakes and you only defend yourself and you only argue your point um, because you just want to be right all the time, then you aren't fighting for your marriage. You are fighting for yourself. Um, And you have to humble yourself in marriage, right? I mean, we have to be willing to say the hard words, I am sorry. You have to be willing to say, I see your point. I have messed up. And you have to stop arguing just for argument's sake. You have to stop trying to always be right. I mean, that just, it's silly. Um, And honestly, it's not a game. Like, this is your life. This is your marriage. And if you aren't willing to admit that you are part of the problem, then I would say then you are the problem. Mm, Yeah, I mean, forgiveness is an everyday occurrence in marriage. And so whether it's it's a look, if it's a slight comment, or if it's a major issue, like it needs to be a habit that we get into. Hey, I'm sorry, honey, I didn't mean that. Hey, I'm sorry, I, it came across that way. You know, sometimes it's just simply owning the fact that whether you meant to do something or not, it impacted your spouse and you have to own that part and and be willing to say, yep, I messed up and ask for forgiveness and then freely give forgiveness. Um Back to 1 Corinthians 13, it says, believes all things. So love believes all things. Now, this doesn't mean that if you really love someone, you're going to believe everything that they say. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what it means. It's not naively trusting someone. It's not about trusting what they say. It's about trusting the one who calls you to love your spouse. And so you live out that love for others as a reflection of your trust and your belief in Jesus. So I believe what Jesus says. He says divorce is sin. He says, you know, I got to stick this out. And so I'm going to trust his word. I trust his word by forgiving, by bearing, you know, with one another. And so I need to forgive my spouse, stop being immature. And that's what it means by love Love believes all things. It means I'm believing what Jesus and his word teaches me on how to interact with my spouse. And so when I do that, I'm, I'm trusting in him. Uh, it says that love always hopes. So again, it's not naive optimism. You know, love always hopes. So I just got to hope everything's going to get better. You know, he's cheated on me five times, uh, but I'm just going to hope that it's going to get better. No, that's not what it means. Um if 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 I were talking to you face to face and somebody's been cheating on you five different times, I would say run, you know, from that relationship. But it's about maintaining hope in the God who empowers you to love. So uh, love always hopes. My love for Christ, His love for me, leads me to hope in and trust in Him. And so I'm setting my hope on the love that Christ has for me and my future in heaven with Him. And my future is secure. My salvation is secure. My walk is secure in him. So my hope is that I am going to to, to risk loving my spouse because I believe and my hope is steady in Christ. And so he says, love endures all things. 
That comes from a Greek military word that was used to describe how an army sustains the assaults of the enemy. So sustaining the assaults of suffering and hardship. So in other words, my love, it never quits. It never gives up. It perseveres and endures through all the challenges of life. That's that's what we're moving towards. And so God allows, again, these problems in our marriage as a pathway for us to discover really what real love is. And some of the problems that we're having in our marriage are just simply you not knowing how to react in love uh, to your spouse. Your emotions start to control you. And so instead of your, you know, controlling your emotions, they are controlling you. And so we have to be able to stay calm and pursue this definition of, of love, recognizing that this perfect love is really coming from God. He's modeling that love to us. And so then we're trying to to demonstrate that love to our spouse. And in order to do that and maintain that connection with our spouse, we have to learn to stay calm. And when you stay calm, you can stay connected. And so I want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, the author, Hal Runkle. He wrote a book called Self-Centered Marriage. And in the book, he talks about five different ways that we scream in marriage. And so I know what you're thinking, like, we don't scream. Well, he gives five different ways that we scream at each other in marriage. And we wanted to go through these and really kind of connect it back to 1 Corinthians 13 at the end. But honey, talk, talk about the first way that couples scream at each other. Yeah. So the first way that we scream in marriage is just literally screaming and aggressively <laughs> yelling in open conflict. Um, you know, when you scream at your spouse, you you accuse them, you berate them, you insult them. You say things like, you have lost it. You've gone off the deep end. Um, but when you yell at your spouse, you're showing your spouse, honestly, the worst side of you. Yeah. And you, you like sacrifice the very maturity that's required to actually deal with the problem and resolve it in a godly way. Yeah, stay calm and stay connected. Um, the second way that we scream is we distance ourselves from one another. So this is a way that we scream at our spouse. It's the cold shoulder, you know, and some people are professional cold shoulder givers. You know, you can shut down quickly. You can pretend like she doesn't exist. Uh, and that's just kind of how some people deal with their problems. You keep a distance, um, sometimes not talking for days. You may not even make eye contact. You might not sleep in the same room. If you do talk, it's all surface level, and there are some marriages that just have decided to exist this way. They just avoid conflict. They avoid communication. They avoid talking about any of the things that are going on in their life. And and uh, if you do that, you're just you're 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 never going to overcome and get better. Another way we scream at our spouse is that we cut ourselves off from each other. And so the cutoff situation is when you are full on distancing yourself from that person. We're talking total emotional and even physical cutoff. So they don't even want to see the other person. Um, and so the hope is that I think they think if that if I cut this person out of my life, that it's going to make my life easier. It's going to make my life better. Um, and honestly, that's what divorce is designed to achieve, right? But cutoffs, they don't work because it's its nearly impossible to get the other person completely out of your life. I mean, obviously, when kids are involved in your marriage, your lives are going to be intertwined forever. So cutting off won't address the emotional issues or problems, and you're just going to carry that on with you forever. Yeah. What you've got to do is is you got to carefully deal with 
the the pain that you're you're experiencing. So you've got to walk through the hurt together, prayerfully asking the Holy Spirit to really give you that strength to forgive each other and You've got to stop thinking about the bitterness. You've got to stop letting it irritate you. You've got to uh, get rid of those negative thoughts. Take take those thoughts captive and get your mind focused on Christ and the and the positive things that are going on uh, in your life and setting those goals to move forward. And so, replacing those negative bitter thoughts with thoughts of growth and purpose, uh, cutting each other out of your life is is not is is not the path that that. Um, Christ calls us to. And so the fourth way that we scream is we fall into what he calls the over-under pattern. So this is common for a lot of marriages. The over-under means one person is over-functioning in one area because the other person is under-functioning. So here's how it works. You know, in the normal marriage, one spouse starts to over-function, taking more responsibility um, in one area while the other person, you know, just underperforms. So uh, for instance, let's talk about maybe the wife uh, shares the majority of the housework or the kid duties. And so uh, she is overperforming, overfunctioning, you know, at home and with the kids while the husband underfunctions in those areas. And maybe the reason is he's lazy or he is just simply working on other things. But the husband uh, does more than his fair share in initiating, you know, maybe sex or going on dates or vacations or what have you. And maybe the wife underfunctions in those areas. And so there are many reasons why this happens. Uh, but the point is that these patterns start to happen and we we don't talk about them and we we don't choose them willingly. We don't discuss them. They're just responses that we just kind of fall into these patterns and we say, well, he's better at that than me uh, or she's better at this than me. But the reality is eventually if you're over-functioning in one area, you will eventually get tired. You're going to start to resent the other person, you'll start maybe nagging or being passive aggressive and maybe fall into this distancing or cutting each other off as a result of that. And so you got to communicate with each other and you got to say, okay, I'm over-functioning in this area. I need you to step up a little bit in these areas. And you talk through those until you willingly make a pattern and, and communicate to each other what that what those functions are going to be. And if you don't, it's going to drive a wedge in your marriage. So you got to realize your spouse is not Superman or Superwoman. She can't keep up all of that, just like you couldn't keep all, up all of that on your own. And so you've got to learn to communicate and share in those responsibilities and, and talk about it together. Yeah. <clears throat> the fifth way that couples scream at each other is that they triangulate others into the conflict. So mm. what this means is that, you know, one of the spouses maybe gets a mom involved or a friend involved in the marriage. Um, or how about this? They passively, aggressively um, ask for prayer for their husband because he's going through a personal issue. <laughs> and so we bring when we bring other people into our problems, um, because sometimes it feels good to just complain about our spouse to a friend or to our, our mom or even our kids, right? But the thing is that it only makes the problem worse because now, well, now there's a third person involved mingling in the problem and it just isn't good. It's not healthy. It's not, it's not going to help. Yeah. So those are the five ways that we scream in marriage. These happen when we allow our emotions to control us instead of controlling them. And so, 
You know, the question is, do you want to get the fire back? Do you want the best for your spouse? Do you want a happier marriage? Then, you know, you've got to stay calm and you've got to bear all things in love. Stay calm to stay connected. So let's close out with a few practical steps as we think about these five areas. The first thing I would say is identify which one you are. Which reactive mechanism do you tend to fall into, right? Are you triangulating other people into the issue? Or has your marriage kind of fallen into the over-under pattern? Um, Have you just simply cut each other off, making it impossible to really work on this? Are you distancing each other? Or are you just, you know, actively just kind of screaming at each other? Which which one are you? And, And really identifying yourself is the first step. The second step would be, Confront yourself and realize that it's sinful and it's not helpful. So you've got to ask yourself some hard questions. Are you going to be willing to repent uh, of that and and start doing the hard work of of really talking about the core issues here? Um, What are the circumstances that tend to happen when, when this goes into effect? What are the topics that set you off? You know, and when you begin to identify that and you confront yourself in those uh, ways, you're, you're really humbling yourself and you're saying, God, I need help with this. You're confessing that to your spouse. Honey, I'm sorry for just like screaming and yelling at you, you know, in these cases, specifically when we, you know, when it's about a kid issue or about money or it's about sex or it's about my, our in-laws or whatever it is. And we just say, hey, this is our issue. These are the things that I lose it over. And I'm sorry, and I want to pray through this together, and I want us to work on this together. I think another way um, and a practical thing to is to just get help. And I know that's hard, but it is important. Like, read, find a book that you can read, uh, listen to a podcast, um, you know, talk to a spiritual leader in your life or a counselor. Um, something that helps is to read the Bible together with your spouse um, because if you want to get the fire back in your marriage, and you have to be willing to walk through those fires together. Yeah. So practical steps here, identify yourself, confront yourself. And then that third step is to just get help. You're going to need help. Most likely you need a coach, a mentor, a spiritual leader in your life uh, to, to help you walk through some of these things as a couple. Um, and obviously getting help is being connected in a church. So attending regularly, um, being connected in a small group, yeah, reading the Bible together is going to transform your marriage um, if you commit to do that. And and so these are the practical ways that are going to going to allow your marriage to grow. Um, Colossians or First Corinthians thirteen says, "Love never fails," right? And so we read that and we think, "Well, you know what? My love is failing and it's not working." But we got to remember, he's talking about God's love for you. God's love is never going to fail you. On the cross, Jesus perseveres. He endures all things. He bears all things, all your sin, all your failures, all your shame. And then his love bursts forth in the light of the empty grave. And so his love never fails. It never ends. And so what we experience in marriage is that we are reaching towards this kind of love. We experience it in Christ first, but then we try to extend that love to our spouse. And Jesus is calling you uh, and your spouse to love each other in this way. Listen, you can write this ship. You know, it's not too late for your marriage. And the key to an amazing marriage, not a perfect marriage, but a key to an amazing marriage is that you are deciding that you are going to walk through the fires together. 
And when you do, when you, when you work on yourself and when you walk toward love, when you are enduring, when you're believing, you're bearing, you will walk through all the adversity and you're going to be stronger. Your marriage is going to be deeper and happier, and you're going to be more connected to Christ than you ever have before. And that's what God wants for you. He wants you to connect to Jesus. And when you walk with him through this fire, you will no doubt get the fire in your marriage. Hey, I pray this episode has been helpful. Honey, thanks for joining me. Glad that you have been here. I think your perspective has been really helpful. I want to encourage you to, again, visit TrentStewart.org to find more resources to equip you on your leadership journey. Thanks for listening today. And as always, make today count.